That's one small step for brands. One giant leap for brand kind. You're listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfy. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code PERFY for 15% off today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Food Chain. Today, we have a very special guest with us, one of my closest friends, brand builder, relationship builder extraordinaire, Bruce Cardenas. Bruce, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's a long time coming. I'm super pumped on this episode. It's like interviewing the most interesting man in the world, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the Dos Equis guy. Yeah, yeah, the Dos Equis guy. There's like a Chuck Norris joke for you. I think I cracked today. When Alexander Graham Bell created the telephone, he had a missed call from Bruce Cardenas. That's a, a repurposed Chuck Norris joke. But welcome to the show, Bruce. I want to give a little background. I know from our history, being friends, that started out in the Marines, went to LAPD, began doing personal security, and then you became like the guy in food and beverage and specifically sports nutrition. How Dive into that. Tell me about how that all went down. Yeah, it is a little bit of a convoluted story because I, I uh, obviously always had a boyhood dream of being a police officer. My uncle was a police officer. My, my next door neighbor was a state trooper. It was just one of those boyhood things. And then I wanted to join my local police department, who was like a seven-person department. And I remember I got out of high school and I, you would have called me a cop groupie, believe me. I was doing ride-alongs. And I said to the chief one day, hey, I'm out of high school. What do I need to do to join the department? And he said, listen, Bruce, you're in his own kind way. You're young and dumb and you're immature. And he said, but if you go in the Marine Corps, when you get out, I'll hire you. That's all I need to hear. I grabbed my good friend, Bob Lewandowski, and said, hey, man, we don't have anything going on in hybrid New Jersey. Let's go in the Marine Corps. Got in the Marine Corps, and I discovered there's a big world out there. I thought New Jersey was the world. So discovered the world. Did some cool assignments, including being on the security detail for the general of the Marine Corps. So I got a taste of the service. I really enjoyed the security aspect. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, I ended up being in California on a career day. And I said, wow, this is beautiful weather, amazing people. Pay is great. So I joined LAPD. Ideally, I wanted to go back to be a state trooper, but I joined LAPD and I started the police career. And did that for shoot, 12 years full time, but I simultaneously had started working part-time security for some different people. And. I started a security business and I quickly figured out, okay, this isn't too hard. It's real. It's all relationship building, getting a hold of people, providing a good service. And that's been my theme now. I think even the Marine Corps providing good service, taking care of the general. When I got started the security business, I take care of people. Even when I was a cop, I was all about taking care of people and providing value to the community. It sounds a little cliche, but I really did enjoy like working with kids and the D.A.R.E. program and doing cool stuff, gosh. And just serendipitously, I met the founders of Quest. I was, I was at the gym one day and met Shannon, who goes by Quest Creator. We, you know, small talk at the gym, like even like you and I do now, we chatted up with everyone at the gym and she gave me a protein bar. And I think I tried it the next day and I went to her the next week and said, hey, that bar was really amazing. And at the time, if you're in that space, there was metrics bars or there was bars that were just okay. It was the first bar that actually had some nice taste and texture and the ingredients were clean. And we just hit it off. I don't really, it's almost like a blur because it went from that to me saying to her, hey, I have some clients I take care of, like Jessica Simpson and Mario Lopez and a set of extras. So if you get me some product, I'll definitely get it in their hands. And I think they were so blown away that I had these relationships. They started getting me product. And at the time, gosh, the product was hard to come by. It was expensive. 
So I maybe get a box of 12 bars and bring it to a client. And I literally did that for about nine months of helping them. And I remember the guys called me and we had like lunch at the office. And I always tell people this, there was no promise of questioning anything of success because when I first met them, they were literally in the hood in the city of Paramount in this little industrial park. And I remember when I first visited, I thought, they're not going to be in business in like six months. It doesn't even look like they pay the rent here. But somehow fast forward, nine months later of me helping them, they offered me a position to just, they just said, we're going to, we're going to start paying you. We don't know what that looks like. Just keep doing what you do and don't change anything. You don't have to come work here. Just keep doing what you do, do your day job. And I just fell in love with the process of the brand product and this relationship building just became really like a cool, it was a good feeling. I could just say that while I still enjoyed doing the security business and I was involved in the limo business, it was more of a grind. Like people are always complaining about the car service or security, what's not working. But with this, we were like giving people these healthy options and it just started, it just started working. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, it's way different when you give someone food or beverage. It's cool. And I really respect like the customer service approach. You know this, but not many people do. I started my career after college in the service industry. So I moved up pretty quick there and went to one of the best places in Hermosa Beach to work at. It was good money. And I, it wasn't until Quest. I actually found Quest bars at Robert's Liquor on Hermosa Beach Pier. And me and my best friend, uh, we would get those. And funny story, that's when Chicory Root was in Quest bars. I popped oh, that yeah. thing in the fridge like I used to do with my, my Cliff Builder bars. And I took a bite out of it during a shift and nearly lost my teeth. It was yeah. like, oh my God. I was like, Scott, never put that thing in the fridge again. And then I saw the ad on Craigslist from Nick. I didn't know it was Nick at the time for an unpaid intern. And that's when I, that's when I made the switch from the service industry into getting into marketing and trying to just be a sponge and learn as much as possible. So much respect on the customer service approach to everything you do. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. It's not like I went to school. I always tell people, I didn't go to school for like public relations. I didn't go to school for customer service or hospitality. It just came that way. I felt like, especially with Quest, we're putting good product in people's hands. And then people started sending us, it was even before social media, there were no, Facebook had just started. But people would write these blogs saying, oh my God, I lost 50 pounds this year on Quest bars. And it just became like a, re for me anyway, my own personal thing, it became a really good feeling. Yeah. And I always say this even to this day, I'm glad we're not selling canned corn. It's like, we've yeah. always been fortunate enough to have these cool, healthy options. And it just evolved. And one thing with the guys early on, they said, just do whatever you do. Just do what you do. And I built out the ambassador program, the college program. And I think one thing I always say is I have pride in ownership. Maybe I didn't own the company. Maybe I didn't start it, but I had pride in what I did. And I think that really reflected because everywhere I went, I was funny enough, people soon thought I was the owner or founder. And, and it just evolved to where I was able to create these different departments and teams. And it was just an amazing journey. And I'll be honest, like somehow nine years later, we sold for a billion dollars to Atkins. And still I look back and think, how'd that happen? That's almost, it's almost crazy how that happened. Yeah, it's wild. I remember my first day I, I interviewed with Nick, came back. He's like, go grab your computer. You can start today. At that time, it, it was after the Paramount office. It was at the, what we called the El Torito on El Segundo. It's now a Montessori school. But yeah, the it was hacienda. Just, yeah it, mean, it was just me and Clark at the desk. And I was on the back side of the desk that didn't even have a leg hole. I was like, F it. Like, this thing's great. Quest is dope. But I remember that first week you came up to me. And you're like, hey, guy, what are you, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> and I'm like, nothing, man. I'm new. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. And you're like, all right, maybe I like CrossFit Redbox or something like that in Hollywood. And that's how it started. Yeah, it was a prime example. Like, we, we dabbled. I remember I got a call from the sales guy at the time, Mike Fulton. And he said, hey, uh. There's this CrossFit box in Boston that's buying, at the time, let's just say 30 or 40 boxes a month, which is 
it's a huge number then, right? Holy cow, 30 boxes. Now people buy 30 cases a week. So I called them and they flew out for this event. And I remember I was like, CrossFit is, oh, these people eat food and they work out. And I don't want to say I, because I'm a we person, but I helped facilitate getting us in CrossFit. It became pretty much a household name. We ended up going to the regionals and the games. And so I look back on that stuff and I think, you know what? I was part of something way bigger than me. And I was able to get us involved with communities that we would have never thought of. I, I don't know. I just, all around, it was, it, 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 we had a success. And at the time there was no rules. I remember the guys like you, hey, just do whatever you do. And we'd have these meetings and be like, hey, how'd the week go? Oh, here's what I did. Okay, great. Do it again. There wasn't any protocol or like corporate thing or as people now use KPIs, and ROIs. And don't get me wrong, those are all important. But at the time, they're just like, are you getting product in people's hands? And are people enjoying it? Great. And I sometimes wish brands would almost go back to that basic of get product in people's hands and see how they enjoy it before you start coming up with all these fanciful things. Yeah, I see it today. I remember back at Quest, I didn't, it took me a while to get my, my feet in the ground and kind of figure like, oh, okay, I get this stuff. But these days I'm much different than I used to be. Like for me to be able to sample Perfy at Expo East and Expo West, yeah, it's way too expensive, but it, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. There's a whole different thing. Like people might see your website or read your, read a blog post or whatever, but there's right. no, there's nothing that compares to that first bite or that first sip and seeing their eyes light up after they try out, holy shit, this is way better than I thought it would be. And it's super important. I don't know that we, I don't know if a lot of brands allow that as much. Yeah, no, you're right. I think now, I don't know, as companies evolve, and I'm not saying people are smarter. I don't know what smart is. I think sometimes people overanalyze what it takes to build a brand. I just think this, I've only, my only experience is if you have a consumable item, just get it in people's hands. Yeah. Get them to try it, get them to talk about it. And this, to me anyway, I found that a quest. If someone's going to tell two or three friends, they're going to turn them on to the product. And it just happened that way. I think that's what happened at Quest. We just kept getting in people's hands and then they would tell a neighbor and tell a friend and boom. So. Yeah, this guy on LinkedIn today, I actually saw a LinkedIn post of his and they call him the beverage whisperer. And he said something about word of mouth marketing. He was like, if you're ever in the data and you can't quite figure out how your brand went from like point A to point B, not like literally like the, or yeah. the figurative, like point A to point B. But if you can't figure out why your brand started in Torrance and people are talking about it in Santa Monica, it's likely word of mouth. Somebody tried it and told two or three of their friends somewhere else. I don't know what the, like the point of his thing was other than just sharing that. Like he wasn't saying track this or track that, but word of mouth is so important. And I think everyone should have a, like a connector. If you break down personalities or voices, I think that you're very much a connector. You know, everybody. Like, you, you know, everybody, if you can get it in their hands or get it on set here or at a book signing there or whatever, it's pretty priceless because once they taste it or, or eat it or drink it, it's game on from there as long as your product's good. Yeah. I, and I, I always tell this, it's one of my stories. I started doing a little public speaking. I'm trying, that's one of my chapters I want to work on, but I call it the FedEx guy. And there was some years ago when we moved into our, the second head, across from the Bay Club, I can't remember what the place was called, but. A, guy, a FedEx driver came in one day. I remember it was at the front counter and, uh, and I, I was walking by and it was hot day out and he asked if he could use the restroom. And I said, hey, oh, yeah, it's right down here. So I don't remember who was the front desk, but I said, let's grab him a water. And I grabbed a mixed patty of bars. He came out and gave it to him. He's like, oh my God, the whole box for me. I said, yeah, man, you're working hard, man. Let's share it with your friends or whatever. But yeah, this is for you. And I remember clear as day, he came back about a week or two later and he asked for me and they called me out and he goes, man, he goes, I got to tell you something. He goes, those bars, I took a moment. I just want to tell you a quick story. If you have time, he goes, I shared a couple with my wife who in turn was a nutrition, a nurse slash nutritionist at a hospital. 
And the reason I say this story is because he took that product and gave it to his wife, who then turned it on to some people at the hospital. And at the hospital, I guess one of the doctors owned a CrossFit gym, funny enough. And he said, oh, let me, let me investigate this. And now he was carrying Quest. And then she took it to their girls who play club soccer, took it to, I guess they bought some by, based on just that one box. And so he was basically telling me a story. It was like, we've already had a dozen people in our circle have already do, trying it. Now it's part of club soccer. So I always tell people this, that one person you're going to touch, a Phoenix driver, I offered a box of bars. And he came in to tell me the story, how we've already touched like all these people. And we actually stayed in touch now. And I would want to say after all these years, I want to say prep, it could be another 300 people they've touched because they were such rabid fans after that experience. But that to me really solidified, just get it in people's hands to be a good person and share it. It's going to be a word of mouth. Now, I would have never known that. I would have never known where that went, except you made a point to come back and tell me the story. That was really cool. That's epic. And it's so funny. I actually, we have a regular like mailman that, that drops off mail at the house and he's always grinding. And sometimes I'll just bring him out cold sodas. Like nothing crazy has happened like that, where his wife's a doctor and pass it on to a business owner or anything like that. But I think it's important just to, to share the product. Like if Perfy is all about happiness and Quest is all about cheating clean and all of these sorts of things, I think sharing the product with people is the best way. And it's when relative to other ways, like right now in, in some on paid social or on meta advertising, people are trying to find a way out of it because acquisition costs are so high. But the cost of one Quest bar, one Perfy is so minuscule. Yeah, to do it at scale might really got a budget for that. But to pass out something that costs under a buck or whatever it is for a bar, you can't beat that. It's a cheap way to acquire customers. Yeah, we just did some recently at one of the campuses, actually with the legendary products. And then some of the campus kids put, did like a back to school thing. They put in a little bag, a pastry on every dorm door. And within the next two weeks, the bookstore saw a spike in sales, like considerably, like by 40%. Damn. And the only thing they could contribute to is these kids tried it. It was like, hey, where do I get these things? Holy cow. So it definitely works. If you have a good product, I mean, you have a great product. Perfect. People try like I, we, we had your drinks at the LA Fitness Expo and the girls and guys like, hey, where do you get this? It's pretty tasty. So I just think that's the key to any consumable item that's decent. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are gearing towards that. I know that right now the, the game's a bit different. People are relying less on ad spend. People are investing more in demos. I used to be one of those guys that hated demos. Now I absolutely love them. I see the value in them and I feel bad that I was so against them in the past. I thought they were much more expensive and less effective than they actually are, but I'm into it. Sampling, sampling is king. And I want to, I want to dive into something on that you guys do, particularly with one of your brands, legendary sampling and selling. That's a concept that I think that you brought to that. Like I remember a past brand yeah. that we worked at, we'd sample hundreds of thousands of dollars of product, but what you brought to the table is a sampling and selling model. I want to dive into that. What's that like? Yeah, at Quest, we did it a little bit, but we got away from it a few times. Then it just became sand for the last three years. We just sampled, gave it away. <clears throat> but now with Legendary, we it, with the big expos, we have it warm up. We have warming ovens or we have microwaves and people try a hot sample, cut in quarters, and they buy it right on the spot for the most part. People try it and say, oh my God, yeah, I'll definitely take a box of chocolate or we'll give them a mixed box. And it's been a win-win, right? You go to an expo or trade show and you're going to spend let's say between 10, 10 and $20,000 with all in with shipping and product. And it's, we found it, re, you recoup your costs. And on top of that, you, you make a customer right there for life, whether it's for life or not, I don't know, but you know, they try it. And so let's say someone buys a box of cinnamon, we'll still give them two or three extra other flavors that they haven't tried. And it seemed to work. It seems to work really well. And then you got people writing customer share saying, Hey, I tried this at the LA Fitness Expo. It was amazing. We get a lot of good feedback from that. And then we also do the email capture, which is I've learned, listen, there's important parts of marketing. I've never been the guy behind the keyboard with the, with all the analyticals, but that's just as important. And email lists are important because now they get the latest newsletters on what the latest releases are. So 
I think a combination of all of it, sampling, selling, and then getting capturing so that they become lifetime customers is really important for brands. Yeah, super smart. I don't know how. It always amazes me when I hear, yeah, we did X amount of thousands on sampling and selling. I'm like, geez, you just pretty much paid for all of the booth fees and union fees. Right. It might not have came out in the black, but still it's a less of a hit when that cash is coming back in instantly, which is pretty awesome. I can't say I've had those experiences with Perfy that instantly, but Expo East was good. We unlocked distribution at Expo East. I don't know if it didn't make up for it yet, but it's very soon going to. But let, great. let's change gears here. I want to go back into how customer service is a huge part, like a huge thread in your life. What were some of the clients if you can share that you in the nineties, like I'm, the reason I'm asking is, dude, you have pictures with Arnold and like Mariah Carey. And I think you fucking have a Chuck Norris picture. Like how, how did all of that? Chuck and I, we've been traveling for a long time. Uh -huh. High school with him. Yeah. Yeah. When I got the security business and it was all relationships. I remember my friend owned limousine company and he connected me with a lot of people. He recommended me. He was the best in the business. And people would call him and say, Hey, I need a security recommendation. I remember you name it from Courtney Love. He introduced me to and. I took care of her for a good 10 years. But what I figured out too, just like with security is not what you picture as the meathead at the front door. Sure, that's a need. But I was more of a logistical thinker, like advanced planning and strategic planning and what they needed. And what I quickly figured out, like Mariah Carey is a prime example. I traveled with, and I noticed she had a manager. He was a nice guy, but he was not in tune with meticulous planning or detail of anything other than contracts. But I would be the one that did the advance on that. We're going to the Grammys and make sure a dressing room set up, make sure all the things that I knew she needed on her checklist. And I remember one time we were in Puerto Rico on a video shoot and she said to me, she goes, cause I had something ready for, I don't remember. She wanted some kind of water, which we had to bring in from New York and, and dice. And she said, Hey, have you ever thought about being in the management business? I said, no, not really. She goes, you should because you're really into detail. And a lot of people, she said, my manager is not, you could probably start a business. And it made me realize that. Security is much more than just, yeah, of course, like be it observant, taking care, making sure nothing happens from, but it's also a lot of planning and thinking ahead. And I think that's where the customer service came in from that. I was always doing more than what was expected. And not only, not for accolades, just, okay, this is going to make my life easier. If I make them happy and it's seamless and I know where they're sitting at an event and I know what's going to happen. I know where the table is. It just made life easier for me and for them. Yeah, I hear you. Random question. Who had the weirdest re demand for snacks on a private airplane? Did anybody have like black licorice type thing or you remember any like things? There's like, yeah, 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 so weird. Because so more recently, it's crazy, is Nicki Minaj. She has a shopping list that I think could take six hours to go buy everything she wants from Subway to pizza to KFC to you name it. It's insane. Hey, you got to go above and beyond though, bro. Yeah, but people, that's what they expect. And listen, they're getting paid to do it. You got to provide the service. So that's it. Have you run into any like dicey situations where you had to go bodyguard on people? Some of these celebrities have stalkers that righteously show up at events or they believe they're in their mind based on them following them on social media or based on what they believe. They have some, they have a common connection with what they believe in their mind. So I've had people show up like literally thinking, hey, I'm here to meet her and you know, we, I want to spend my life with her. That gets a little dicey because you're dealing with someone that's not stable. So then you got to get the police involved or restraining orders or whatnot. Yeah, there's been a couple of interventions where it's gotten a little weird. People show up a little aggressive. I had a guy show up at one of the what, more famous, the most famous royal family we have in America with his bags packed at our front door. Okay, I took a bus in from Alabama and I'm here to spend my life with you. And he had like his luggage with him. So we had to kind of, we had to get him back on a bus. But that's on the serious note, that there's an inherent danger to being a celebrity. 
And I think that's why some of them lead a very quiet, low-key life. They don't want the exposure because there's always, there's always that inherent danger, unfortunately. So I guess it comes with the price of fame, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's still wild though, man. I'd imagine having to deal with that. Yeah. Do you ever watch the movie Bodyguard? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> we were just talking about this. Kevin Costner. So crazy. I have a picture somewhere I can find it. I worked on the production part of that and the premiere. I have a picture from the premiere with yeah, Whitney and Bobby Brown. They were all there. Yeah. It was actually Kevin Costner's birthday yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah, I watch a lot of Yellowstone and all of the other Taylor Sheridan things. You got to check them out. They're really good. Yeah, I posted a picture with him on Instagram from probably 25 years ago. Let me check that out. I'll make sure I'm at something stupid. Uh, yeah. So I do listen to security. It's enjoyable. I have my own level of satisfaction I get out of it. Yes, I get paid. But I think knowing that a good job is done and the client feels satisfied that they're safe. But listen, some people take it for granted. Some people, it's a necessary evil. And I have to, and you have to adjust accordingly. There are some celebrities like Bruce. I don't even, I don't like security. I don't want it. I don't want, I don't want people to think I have security and they have to adjust accordingly because they have to respect that. Right. They have a certain public persona they want to keep up. And then other people, funny enough, I've worked with people that really have no business habit. And I don't, I really avoid those clients. Now, more of the people that are like, Hey bro, I'm going to a club and I need two guys like on my left and my like I'm a Goomba. Yeah. Okay. That's but they, but no one knows them. So I, I, don't, I don't really do that stuff because it's just silly. I'd rather work with clients that really have a need for security. Yeah. The other ones seem dangerous. It's like, uh, they're the ones that'll get you into a fight. Hey, yeah. I got my guys. I got my guys. Stay away. You're not coming to get bottle service. With me. It's I like, want to fight you over a bottle. Like 100%. You got to take care of yourself first. I agree with that. Definitely don't work with those ones. So what's, what's next with Bruce, man? Like you're doing more public speaking. You're, you do all your sheriff stuff. You're doing your, you got to stay live at the range. What do you got going next? Yeah, the sheriff saying, listen, it's always been a passion to play with the law enforcement. I don't get paid. I volunteer my time to be a sheriff, but I like serving the community. It's still a rewarding for me. I think one of my passion plays is charities. I support a couple of local charities, Trina's Kids, which is mostly toy stuff for kids back to school. And then a midnight mission I've adopted. We usually get down there like on the major holidays and serve food and stuff. And then the speaking is a new thing. I keep talking about it and I've had really the thing that's held me back for all these years is self-doubt. When I tell people my story, they're like, oh, shit, you should be speaking. Oh, you should be, have a book or you should have three. And I'm in that circle just by default of meeting these people. So I go to these events. I hear them speak. And so I finally got a coach and he's helping me. And that's the next step. I'm, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I need to start doing it. So I actually have a couple of gigs booked. And podcasts are great, too, which helps to speak and tell your story, right? So you know, that's like the next step for me. Whether I want to make it big, I don't know. I don't know what it means to make it big. But at least if I, if I could bring value to other people's lives and maybe change or inspire someone to, you know, what I did at Quest. Hey, you're never too old. I should, I didn't meet the Quest guys till I was 46 years old. Most people, their trajectory is already set. You're either going to, you're already figuring out how you're going to retire. So I always tell people, listen, it's never too late. Cause I've talked to people about this. Hey, listen, even Quest, you were lucky. It was timing. Of course I was lucky. It was timing. That's what life is. That doesn't mean you can't run into the next guy who started a drink company and needs help. Hey, offer your services, offer to bring value to them. And next thing, maybe you have, maybe you have equity. Maybe you're become something in that company. I said, you don't dismiss it. But yeah, of course I was lucky. And of course it was timing, but I've turned that luck and timing into sweat equity. I didn't just sit back and say, okay, hey, great. I met them. Now I'm cool. I told an interview recently, and you know this because you've traveled with me a couple of times. There's 52 weeks in a year. And I said, there was periods of time at Quest for sure. If I looked at the calendar, 42 weekends, I was on the road and I was, it was religious. It was a bodybuilding show. It was a cross event. It was a fitness event. It was a speaking engagement. It was something I was going to. And that just became the norm. So it's not like I got that opportunity and said, Hey, I'm going to kick back. And I worked hard. The opportunities are there. It never changes. There's always going to be a new cookie company starting, a new drink company starting. 
you're going to have a neighbor that wants to start a clothing company. Hey, just seek out people that are entrepreneurs. And, and I, even now, even people like Gary Vee talk about, find someone you really like look up to or admire or want to be like, and reach out to them and say, hey, can I hang out? Can I follow you for a couple of weeks? Can I do something to bring value? Now, people always say that, and this is another conversation I sell, because I, I say that, bring value, don't have any expectations. Most people don't know how to go about that. And I understand it's hard to approach someone and say, hey, can I bring you value? How about this? Just bring them value. You don't need to ask to bring it, just bring it. Yeah. I want to touch on like your philosophy on the volunteer work. I met Shannon and Ron and you didn't get paid for some time. And I'm in the same camp as you. Like I, if I had to start as an unpaid intern at Quest again, I would do it a million times over because the opportunity I had to learn from people that were much, much smarter than me was every single day. And if you surround yourself with that every single day, you're going to get smarter somehow, whether it's osmosis or actually doing the work. What's your take on doing that, on on working so, free, building sweat equity? What's your take on it? I refined this speech a little bit because I've told people this now. I didn't, when I first started helping them, I didn't think, oh shit, I'm going to, I'm going to make out financially. I'm going to, like I said, when I met them and went to the office, I thought, shit, are they going to be, are they going to be in business? But as it progressed and I started spending time at Ron, and started understanding him, he's the one that offered me after, it was literally almost nine full months. Some people, I know the dates because I know I worked for free, is I just all of a sudden started feeling it felt so good to help them that I didn't even know there's any future, but hence it turned out I got paid. And then once I got paid and I really committed and I, and I got paid more because then I was more of a full-time position. And the equity came much later. There was no promise of that for shit, six years. There was not, it was conversations about it, but not until nothing in like actual formal for years later. But I do tell people this, and I told some of this, and actually he did pay off. Anyone that wants to do an internship, I say this, I have this down now. Con whoever, company, go through the HR department, whether it's a small mom and pop entrepreneur, whether it's your company, what, listen, let me help you for free. I will help you for free. And if after, you set a time limit, three months, six months, nine months, whatever you can afford to do, even if you have another job and you're making, paying your bills, you're interning for free. At the end of that internship, if you're happy with the results, I'd love if you would consider to pay me to do more for your company. And if not, great. I learned a valuable lesson. I learned how to be a, help you with your company and we'll move on. Nine times out of 10, if you're really bringing value, how could someone not want to pay you? They'll be like, they feel like shit, right? Oh, I made this kid work for six months for free. Mm -hmm. I think nine out of 10 times it's going to work. And I will tell you this, I used this before, long before Quest. It was quickly, I was doing the bodyguard thing and I was taking a really high profile music executive we would go to a lot of events. And I remember it was around the Grammy. So we had three events in a row and I, and I would advance the event to go check it out in advance the day before the day or the that afternoon. And there was this kid standing out in front of the event. I saw him two different times. And on the third time I saw him at another venue, I was checking it out. He was like, and by the way, that was nothing I always did. I always took care of the, like the kids, the paparazzi, the ones that are standing behind that like the guardrail that they want the pictures. I would usually order them pizza and stuff because I wanted them to be my friends because I didn't want them interfering with me. So I'd be like, guys, listen, I'm going to feed you. But when I walk in with celebrity A, don't be an asshole. Don't yell at them. Don't scream at them. They stop it. They don't just respect it. It usually works. I even had my relationships with the paparazzis. But I remember this kid said to me, I was doing this advance. He said, are you, you're Bruce, right? I said, yeah. He said, listen, I know this is weird. He told me my, his name He's from Minnesota. He says, I'm dying to meet your client. He goes, I have this idea for this technical thing with publication, almost like downloading, almost like Napster before there was Napster. And he said, I just, I can't get in a meeting to save my life. I had this idea because I'm almost out of money. I got to move back to Minnesota. So I just need a break. And I said, I said, I'm not in the business of giving breaks. I'm in the business of security. But he said, but your client, 
I just like to say hi to him. That's it. We talk for a few minutes. Six hours later, we're coming to this event. And this kid is still, he's there waiting. He's behind the barrier. And as we're getting out, as we're pulling up, and this client was always wanting to be friendly and approach. He said, listen, you know, I always want to talk to people. I said, this is totally out of the character, boss. I said, but this kid at the gate there really wants to say hi to you. And he goes, do you know what he wants? I said, he has this idea. I said, I just feel compelled to tell you. He seems like such a kind person. So as they were walking by, he's, I pointed him out and he stopped. This is no exaggeration. They might've talked for 35 to 40 seconds and I didn't even listen. I was just looking around doing my job. He turns to his assistant and says, hey, get this kid's information. Let's see if we can get him a meeting. We go inside the venue, never saw that kid again, never heard from him. And I never asked the client even what they talked about. I got chills thinking about this. Super Bowl, seven, 16 years later, I'm at the Super Bowl of 2022 in SoFi Stadium in the suite with an another client, a couple of NFL owners. And I look to my right, you've been to SoFi and you can see like the glass partition. So you could have envy of other people's suites, like what they're eating and stuff, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, how come we don't have the tri-tip? And I noticed this guy, I noticed this guy kind of looking at me, but I looked away because I was like, that's seems weird. He's in the suite next door. A few minutes later, there's a knock on the door and the security guard says, hey, there's a guy to see you, Bruce. I come out in the hallway and as soon as I made eye contact, I was like, I think I know him. And he kind of reached out today and gave me a hug. And I was like, whoa, which is, I'm not worried about hugs, right? And, yeah. and he said, he says, I don't know if you remember me. I said, I do remember you. You're the kid that was at the curb. He said, yeah. He goes, listen, you changed my life. And I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. He goes, that conversation I had with your boss, he goes, he had the assistant. By, by the way, he goes, I was persistent. Because in that conversation, when I was talking about the curb. I said, just offer your services for free. If you want to get one of these, that's what I did tell him 15 years ago. I said, just, if you get a meeting, tell me it works for free. Tell me you'll do whatever you got to do. You wash dishes, just get in the door. So he tried to get a hold of the assistant two or three times. The assistant never didn't call him back. And finally, I guess she picked up and said, yeah, for God's sake, this kid keeps bugging me. He goes, listen, I just, your boss said I could get a meeting. So she begrudgingly let him come in and have a meeting. I guess whoever met with the VP or HR. And he said the same thing. He said, listen, just give me an opportunity. I'll work for free as long as you allow it. And if you're happy at the end of that term, I'd appreciate if you give me a job. If not, we'll go our separate ways. He almost, he almost said words for what he said. He did such a great job. He had this idea. I'm just summing it up like some kind of download service, but electric advanced technology. He said, that was my stepping stone. He goes, they did hire me. He was only stayed there for a year because I learned what I need to learn. He goes, I now have my own production company. And I goes, I just did another $7 million deal with Universal Music. Wow. And he goes, the suite is my suite. And he goes, this is my wife. And she said, I know all about you. And I'm like, what? She was, an, she was not an intern. She worked in the legal department where he was interning. And he laughed because I guess he asked her out. She goes, I can't go out with an intern. You got a full-time job. I can't date an intern. <laughs> so he got a full-time job, quit, and then came back and dated her. But imagine this, 16 years later, whatever it was, he's now a pretty successful millionaire, married to this girl, has two kids. And he literally was saying, if it wasn't for you telling me how to get in the door, I would have went back to Minnesota and probably just been working at my family's business. So I always say, give someone a break, give them advice. Don't ever, I don't ever dismiss anybody, right? The kid staying at the corner wanting to meet someone, yeah, maybe it's worse than at least saying hello. Not everyone's a bad person. So that to me was like, it made me feel good. Very emotional too, right? To think, wow, I've actually changed his, he believes I've changed his life. And all I do is say, hey, can you talk to this kid for 30 seconds? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool, man. And for everyone listening about the hug thing, first thing I did at the gym when I saw Bruce yeah. is hug him and he like gave me like this side pat. It was so <laughs> yeah. awkward. It was a side awkward. Uh, hey, stop doing that, boss. I finally did that with Chuck Norris. Yeah. So, but you yeah. should hug more though, man. Who did more on the yeah. on the bicep curls today? Did you tricep? Oh, you did more on that one. Yeah, we're we're one and one today. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So like all those things, I, my life lessons, I just, I like to share with people because listen, don't, I don't know. I, I like to bring value with truly asking nothing in return. And if you, it's an opportunity, if there's an opportunity to help someone, why not? You started as an on, on paid intern. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you had the best road or the best mentorship there, but you paved your own way. But if, if that was an opportunity, still you took advantage of it and figured out how to work it. Yeah. I think about that a lot, man. Had I not done that, I probably would have still been in the service industry and had too much fun. Who knows where I would be, but that, that changed my life. Like I remember Nick gave me a task, un, unpaid intern. You're like, I remember I, I was a dolly grip for a, the 10 days of Questmas or whatever it was in 2013. That was one of my first things. He had me working on affiliate, but one thing was one thing I just couldn't accomplish. I'm like the worst Lego builder ever. I'm not like a handyman. He was like, Vasa, this dry erase board came in. Can you assemble it? And of course I was like, yeah, of course I will. I got this. I'll be back in an hour. I couldn't figure that thing out for the life of me. Like it was like really shoddy instructions. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I had 20 bucks in my pocket and one of the maintenance dudes walked by me. I was like, Hey dude, will you put this together for me for 20 bucks in under an hour? He's like, yes. He knocked it out. I brought it in. I was like, Nick, I'm not going to lie. I didn't build this for you. I outsourced it. And he was like, I love outsourcing. No worries. Yeah. And it was like one of those things where I just had to do what I had to do to survive and ultimately get a shot and get my foot in the door and show how much of a hard worker I was. And I would do it a million times over as an unpaid intern if I had to. I don't think people really understand that what that means sometimes. On paid, yeah, to me, you're still getting paid. You're getting paid in knowledge and experience. Yeah. And if you have the right company, shit. While I had another job, so I didn't count. I, yeah, I can help quest for free. But I tell people, I was the least qualified person to work in a nutrition company. I didn't have a degree in nutrition. I didn't, I didn't go to school for food science, but I got equity that was worth a lot of money. Just yeah. based on working hard. Yeah. It's a, a mind shift or mindset shift that you've got to be able to make. I would do it. I would do it at this point in my career. If I can, if I switched careers and I wanted to work for, I think a dream job would be being a marketing person for a sports team. Like I would, yeah. I would hell yeah. What do I got to do? You want me to outsource a damn dry erase board? Got it. I would do right. it over and over again, no matter how old I am or where I'm at in life. Bruce, this was awesome. I'm going to link to your LinkedIn and your social. Sure. If anyone's listening, follow Bruce E. Cardenas at, on Instagram. You'll see pictures of Chuck Norris and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mariah Carey, <laughs> and a bunch of other random ones. You'll see probably one of the most epic mustaches ever from the 80s and 90s. That was a, yeah, I can't bring that back, unfortunately. <laughs> now it's all gray like Sam Elliott. Yeah. Well, hey, Sam Elliott's dope, though. Thanks for joining us, Bruce. I really appreciate your time, and I can't wait to get this episode out, man. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.